On today's episode, Dave interviews actress Shuli Cohen. Shuli has appeared in Curb Your Enthusiasm, How I Met Your Mother, and Reno 911. I'm Ian Foley. This is ADD Comedy. I travel so much, and when I I travel, I'll go to somewhere and I'll say, oh, I like that thing. I think I'll buy it for me. And then I buy it for me, and then I get back to the hotel and I show me it, and I'm really happy, and it's like, oh, it's just what I wanted. It's like, oh. And then I bought a jacket uh, uh, when I worked in Toronto a couple years ago, and it was like $125. It's a great jacket, a leather jacket. And I brought it back to the hotel room, and I was putting it out. I was looking at it going, I really like me, because I buy myself exactly what I want. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And I think it's such an important thing, particularly for what we do, because it's easy to to walk off stage and to say, that was really bad, I wish I did this better and all that. But we can't. No. No. But if we worry about it while you're doing it, you're effed. You're so effed. That doesn't work out. You're so fucked. You're effed. You're effed. I'll I'll go for that. You are (laughs) effed. And and one of the things, like, did you... Oh, my God, there's so much I want to talk with you about. Did oh. you... There comes a point when you're improvising where one day you walk off stage and you are thinking differently. And, and, and you're thinking, like, oh, I, I feel okay about that show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And usually those are the ones you can't remember because you're in your right brain. Exactly. So you're being totally creative. The ones you remember every second of... of you're in your left brain, and you're analyzing it while you're doing it, right. and you're in no way actually being creative. No, you're listing. Oh, that happened. I did that. Uh, I did. I, oh, okay. I could look at that later. I could really like feel bad about that later. I'll feel bad about that later. Why did I make that choice? And there came a point. I think it's uh, when I was at I.O. I remember walking off stage like years and years ago in the 90s, 80s or 90s, walking off stage and thinking, I feel okay about that show. Why? Because I stopped caring. I don't fucking care. I just don't care. See, I don't know if it's not caring. It's about you were saying, I did this, I'll feel bad about it later. But I think more often people go, I did this, I'm feeling bad about it now, and the scene is still happening. Oh, boy. I feel like, you know, you're in the middle of a scene, you're like, oh, I could have done that better. Save it for later. Because I think a lot of people don't analyze their work when they get off stage, and that's why they don't have improvement. Well, when you analyze your work off stage, what are you doing with yourself? Because I don't analyze my work ever, ever. I don't um, think about it. I walk off stage and I, 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 it just goes away. I think because those days for everybody is in, in their own process. Those days for me are over because I am going to analyze that. I'm not going to analyze it. I'm going to look at it in that moment. Something is happening in that moment. I'm going, okay, what is going to be the most fun thing to do? That. Well, that didn't turn out to be fun. Okay. I'm not going to think about it because my thinking about it isn't going to fucking change it. But it can help you make better choices. Like what? Better, what's better mean? Stronger. Ones that will make you have a simpler time improvising. Got it. So, so if I walk off stage and I'm like, that moment in the scene was really hard. What could I do to make that moment less hard? Was I totally committed to my emotion? What was missing that made it so I did not sail over that moment. Okay, so you're looking at it because a lot of people will look at those moments and say, oh, he did that, he did this, he did that, he did that. Knowing, analyzing it in a way where you're thinking, I will never be in that situation again with those elements of it. Like, I'm the dad and you're the mom and we're living. But what I will need to be is more present in that moment. 
and to give myself slack to know that it's a practice. Sometimes I'm going to be in it, and sometimes I'm not going to be in it. And when I'm not in it, all that it means is I wasn't in it. It doesn't mean I suck. Exactly. It means the next opportunity that I have, I'll just land, and I'll be there. Yes. Or I won't land, because landing means you're done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was a moment I remember a few years ago where I was, I was thinking about um, Peter Pan. Uh huh. And I remember looking at it. And thinking about the elements of Peter Pan, a boy, does, a boy doesn't want to grow up, and he's flying, and he teaches everybody to fly, and then he lives in Neverland. He doesn't live in Neverland. He lives in Neverland. Interesting. You don't land. And with improvisation, you don't land. You're floating from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. You don't land. And... So there's no fear of getting injured. There's no fear of your ego getting injured because you're not of this land. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of the things I'm always telling my students. Just because you're playing a character who sounds and moves like you doesn't mean that they're you, which I think is so great in this work because as a, coming at it from an actor's point of view, you, one of, I think one of the reasons why we get into acting is I want to be somebody who's not me. Right. And okay. then you have students who come onto stage and they're like, well, I'm talking like me and I'm moving like me. So it's me. And so if my character cries, it's me crying. And right. it's like, no, that's not you. Right. And I find that very freeing. I think that, that, that as you're saying that, what, what I'm thinking about is like when you say, I want, I want to play someone who's not me. And I'm going to I'm going to break that down to its molecular to, to a molecular level. Yeah. And it's not that it's that I want to play someone's not me. That's the larger issue. But the, the more mac, micro issue is I want to feel a way that I wasn't feeling. I want to feel a way that I, that won't. Uh, I want to. It's it's not not being me. It's not be making that feeling or or embracing a feeling that I wouldn't normally feel. Does that make sense? Yeah. An emotion that I would normally not normally have, or an emotion that I would not normally engage in. Well, it's you taking on a different point of view that moves itself around the stage in a voice and body that is very much like Rosowski, but it's not you. That person likes different things, is interested in different things, and that's what I mean about protecting yourself and that it is acting right you know that protecting yourself thing i mean i gotta you know i remember one moment going oh i could be james fucking bond if i want to you know um i could also be vulnerable if i want to and it has yeah. nothing to do with me yeah yeah and i think but i think that line is why a lot of students don't take chances because it feels too much like them mm-hmm and so they don't want to expose themselves. And I think that's a fair assessment, but they have to realize, like, if you make a point of view choice, it's not you. Right. And, uh, and we, I talk about a lot in the podcast, the idea of the ego. And I don't mean the ego in a way like, yeah, you're boastful. I mean the ego that says, you're not doing this right, or you can't do this right, or what are you doing, or mm-hmm. how dare you? You're going to get injured. You're going to get injured. And the ego's job is to protect the ego. That's it. The ego's job is to protect the ego. And there's nothing creative that has ever come from a union of inspiration and ego, because the ego wants to pull you back. So whenever somebody goes, well, i got to protect myself, I'm like, why? Why do you have to do that? You have an opportunity to do whatever the fuck you want to do do because this work is about somebody in front of you saying take advantage of me because I'm gonna let you yeah yeah 
and, and, and when I watch you, your work, and when I think about your work, uh, I, there's just a ball of energy that's up there, but it's a ball of very focused energy. And it's this focused energy is, I am with you right now. I am not going to let you drop. And whatever it is that you're going to say, I am going to be in concert with you, in concert with you, together with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's no plan I can make in my mind that's going to be as good as whatever's going to happen in the moment. And that there is no right scene. It's just whatever is happening is the right thing if we're acting and reacting. Right. And the moment that people, uh, right, I say right a lot, the moment that people remove is what I've been thinking about lately is the, 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 um, the scale that you have in your head that says this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. The moment that we let go of that in the creative process, we're free because there is no better because there is no measurement of that. You know what I mean? I agree with the better, but I think that there is a stronger versus weaker choice Um, in terms of what's going to make your scene easier. What's going to help you connect more? Okay. You know, if you come in and I'm I'm like, hey, Dave, you know, start my scene. What's happening? How do I do this? That's not going to provide me with as easy and fun a scene as just responding to whatever you say or making an assumption about your character. I think a lot of people go bad choice, good choice. Yeah. But stronger choice is a really, that's a really great way to put it. Because it, it implies that there's a muscle behind it that, that, that I can work on. And what is that muscle? And the muscle for me is always the awareness. Yeah. For me, it's commitment to whatever my lady is feeling or guy is feeling. <laughs> right. You know, and right. I find that in opening night, that's one of the biggest struggles because... That's the show called Opening Night the Music. The Im- opening Night the Improvised Musical. Okay. And uh, we do a you know, a two act musical in an hour. So it's a linear form. And unlike a Herald or other forms, there is some no, because we're working with plot. And so for me, the hardest moments are when I know my character feels this way. Your character is telling me to feel the opposite way. And when my character is in confusion, I don't know how I feel. Those are the hardest moments for me. And so whenever I'm improvising, I'm always reminding myself, just commit to whatever you're doing. Even if the commitment is, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, but I think that's a harder choice. Like, kind of in the same way... But it can't be denied. That choice can't be denied. If I'm confused, I'm confused. I don't know what to do here. How many lovely songs are about, I don't know what to do here? But that's a harder song to sing than saying, I pick this emotion or I pick this emotion. Why is it a harder song to sing? In the same way where... I have found that in the few times in my life that I am actually speechless, it's because I don't know how I feel yet. But isn't that a legitimate feeling? I don't know how I feel is a legitimate feeling. But it's harder to put words to not knowing how you feel. You need, one needs to give somebody the permission to go, you're not knowing what you're feeling is a feeling. It's the feeling of not knowing what you're feeling. And for you to try to feel anything else, you can't because that's what you're feeling. The feeling that you're feeling is the feeling of unknown and how beautiful that is. And yes, it's hard to do. And and I agree with you, but I totally agree that it's hard to do. But one of the hardest things to do is to make somebody realize that that limbo spot is a spot. Absolutely. Right. And for you to go, oh, that like right now I'm confused. Your ego is going, find something, discover something, discover something. But it's like your confusion is that's what you've got. Yes. But it is a very hard place to to sing a song from. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I, I even think in spoken improv. That mm. is easier. And I agree with you. It is totally legitimate. Right. But in terms of 
what is going to be the easiest thing to play, I always say there is no choice except not making a choice. Right. There's no bad choice except not right. making a choice. Right. And confusion is a bit of a non-choice. So it's almost like you have to say, okay, I'm going to stick with what I had, even though your character is telling me to change, or I've got to change. Because as I said, when you don't know how you feel, you'd have nothing to say. But isn't, emo- isn't confusion a legitimate emotion? It is absolutely a legitimate emotion, and if you tried to do a scene with me where my character was confused, you'd want to punch me in the face. No, I wouldn't, because if you if you commit to the confusion, then I could play off of that. I believe, Dave Rosowski, you could play off anything, but I think that you're going to be have a much happier scene if I make any choice. Your choice of confusion is one of the any choices. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm, again, I love this discussion yeah. because I think that, that very often people are, we're, they're, they're, I think with actors, I'm, I'm looking at an actor and I watch them and you can watch them too, where you're, they're with your partner, they're with their partner and the partner does something or says something and suddenly they don't know what to do and they stop and the scene stops and everybody stopped and we're going, what's going on? And I said, what's happening? And I say, they say, I'm confused. It's like, then use that. Because that was, I just watched you change, and now I'm watching you struggle with the embracing of that emotion that's come to you. But I get it, and I get it, and it's very Buddhist. It's, it's that Buddhist feeling, it's that Buddhist notion of what it is that you have is what you have. Whether you want to have something else or not doesn't change the fact that that's what you have. Exactly. You know? Now, then to make a song of it, that's a totally different thing, and I get that. And I've watched your guys' show many times, and the, the shit that you guys sing about is crazy great. Because what? What are we singing about here? I've seen Josh Funk sing some songs and make the total commitment of going, what are you, what's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or Norm, it's like Norm who looks like Norm, who looks just like, you know, he could play any part in any kind of musical from any time. And, and the way that he sings and commits to things, I'm going, What's again? What's happening? You're so committed to it, yeah. And that's why that show, um, uh, opening up the improvised musical, right? Got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that show is, and I've said it before, and I've said it to you. It is not just one of the greatest shows in LA. It's one of the greatest shows. Thank you. Period. Dave. And Thank anybody you. that watches that show will. It, it's really unbelievable that you're going, this is totally improvised. And the commitment that you have, and the commitment that Norm has, and the commitment, who else is in the cast? Uh, right now, it is me, Norm Filming, Derek Miller, Hillary uh, Ryan Rowe, mm-hmm. and Matt Jones, and Mark McConville, with Michael Pollock on keys. Right, and the commitment of this group is, it's, it's it's crazy. And anytime somebody says, in, in, when I'm at I.O., it's like, who's seen uh, opening night? The hands go up and the hands that don't go up. I don't have to say anything else. All the students in the class go, dude, let's go. I'll go with you tomorrow. We'll go. We'll Aww. go. We'll see the show. That's so nice. What we do is crazy good. I love it. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's so hard in this town, I think, to... Like, you see all these people, and they're like, I'm an actor. And it's like, when's the last time you acted? And they're like, two years ago. (laughs) And it's so nice to know that no matter what happens during my week, minimum once a week, I get to perform. And I get to, you know, work those muscles. Right. And and when you you go off stage, you still get to work those muscles. Absolutely. Yeah. And... 
I feel so much more present. Once um, Alexander Billings is always talking about putting your, getting, having your art in your life and your life in your art, and the, when that wall comes down, that there's a difference between your onstage life and your offstage life in terms of joy. And once that wall comes down, man alive, it's just it's a great feeling. I don't know if you ever felt the feeling that I, when I was teaching, I was going, I'm just so, I, I feel so confident when I'm teaching and I wish I had that in my life. And I haven't thought about that in a really long, I haven't felt that in a really long time, that feeling of I don't have it because I feel like I have it. That's freaking fantastic. But don't you have it? Uh, you know, I think like anybody, well, which do you mean? The confidence or the, the seamless transition from art and life? How about both? How about either? I think that improv has made my life so much better. I was listening to your podcast with James Grace mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, so many good things have happened in my life from just saying yes. Right. And that's one of the things I learned from improv. It's like, I said yes to doing this goofy thing on a Saturday night that I would have said no to in the past and ended up having a great time or, you know, even just interacting with people, somebody who maybe you would get in an argument with. It's like, you know what? Just say yes. They're entitled to their opinion. And so I think improv has made my life so much better and oh, being more forgiving of my own mistakes. That's a whole thing there too. The idea of forgiveness, and I think that a lot of people don't, because forgiveness, again, it's so connected to the ego. The ego says, I gotta be right, I gotta be right, I gotta be right, and I was wrong, I was It's like, you know what? Just forgive yourself. Forgive yourself, be aware. And the moment that I forgive myself, you know, shit, it's, I, can, I can look at things. Like right now, we could think of like nine things to be upset about, mm-hmm. but I don't. Because why do I want to treat myself like that? Which is not to say that, you know, there's no self-analysis. Oh, that didn't go the way I'd like. How could I handle that better next time? Right. But uh, just being a little bit more open. Or I being think. open, because you can't be a little more open. Either you're more open. open. Or, yeah, open. I say open. I, again, there's that scale. I could either be open or I'm closed. And it's not like I'm going to share my everything with everybody. Right. But... If I'm living my life where I'm, I'm going to be open, and it's it's hard to do. It's really hard to See, do. See, but it's interesting. You're talking about openness from the outside, inside out, and right. I'm more talking about openness from the outside in. Explain that. Um, you're talking about being open with your life and your opinions and blah, and I'm talking more about being open to everything that's out there. Instead of, I know I like this, I know I don't like this. Right. Going, well, I might as well try it once. Isn't it funny? When something comes up, to I know exactly what you're talking about. When something comes up, the first reaction is to go, no. And then, because if somebody said to me, um, hey, listen, we're going to Cuernavaca. And my first thought is, Cuernavaca? No. Or then I go, well, where is Cuernavaca? Are you going? No, I don't even know what Cuernavaca is. Oh, my God. I had one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten in Cuernavaca. You've been, you've been to Cuernavaca. I've been to Cuernavaca. My husband's sister got married in Cuernavaca. Of all the places that I pick, I pick <laughs> Cuernavaca. And you have this you have this kinesthetic response where it like just came off over. It's like, it's like a, where, uh, what was it? A movie where somebody where somebody gets a bolt of lightning through them and, they, and you watch their, their whole back arch up. Um, but Cuernavaca, no. Where's Cuernavaca? Somewhere in Mexico. Like, oh, it's in Mexico. Yeah, it's like an hour or two outside Mexico City. Uh Uh-huh, Cuernavaca. Mm -hmm. That's a really good name. It's a really good name where I was, you know, um, 
queso fundido with like the melted cheese and then some and you have like tortillas to scoop it up with. Uh-huh. Like a nacho but 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 two separate items. Right. Uh-huh. A do it yourself nacho. Yes. Here uh-huh. is how they did it in Cuernavaca. Mm-hmm. A parfait glass, layer of cheese, layer of chorizo, all the way up. A parfait of melted cheese. People have ideas for food <laughs> and then they do them. See, that's another thing where I look at somebody and I go, what did you just make? What the fuck did you just make? What did you just make? I saw it the other day because I do, I I do Pinterest. I'm the, I'm the, I'm such a gay straight guy. Um, uh, I look at Pinterest and I go, Pinterest food. It's like, I like that because I love pictures of food. I love eating food. And there was, somebody made a s'more pie and I'm going, what are you talking? It's one of those things where you go, how is that legal? Like, um, Laura will send me pictures of like puppies with a puppy with a goat and they're <laughs> cuddling and I'm going what it's too so cute I, I can't take it sometimes and the same thing with food or I go oh my god oh my god that's how I make donut ice cream and people go a little <sighs> crazy for it my sister makes ice cream I gotta find out the recipe and send it to you because we, we I like donuts I love me some donuts you do Bob's at Farmer's Market. Tooth, oh, I have you? a sweet problem. Yeah. I might be singularly keeping the Tootsie Roll company in business. Yeah. How joyful, though. The moment that you say Tootsie Roll, my mouth goes, nah, there's, a, there's a, 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 a woman who wrote this book called Gulp, and she's written a lot of books about, like, how your body works and how science works and all that. And this book just came out, and it's about how... Uh, what happens the moment that the saliva you, the book well it's like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay I heard out. this yeah and it just came out and it was on Fresh Air with Terry Gross Fresh Air and <laughs> um, like what happens you chew it or, and, and the saliva and how awesome saliva is and then what happens once you chew it you masticate it and, and what happens when vinegar anything vinegary or acidic makes your gives you more saliva so that your teeth aren't fucked up then that's why that works like look at the body I are we looking? Are we paying any attention to what the hell's going on? <laughs> We're not. No. no. And then when something happens, like, uh, what happened? I, oh, I, uh, when I was in high school, I couldn't pee for three days. I remember Karen Zoot and I went to see uh, Rocky when it came out, and that was the last time I remember peeing for three days. And told my mom, I'm like, what's going on? And I was like. Well, take a warm bath or take a warm shower and just, and it's like, oh my God. So it was like days and eventually I had to go to the emergency room and they had to put a, 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 a tube in my urethra. Oh. And it's one of those things where they had to put it all the way in there and then you're going, oh my God. First off, it's very painful. Yeah. And second off, you go, oh, I've got stuff inside there. And then you feel it going, to, you just feel it go in. I got suddenly very sexual about that. It's like you feel it go in and go, how often do I feel that? I never feel anything go in like that. Yeah. I mean, we have a football field's worth of intestines in there. Clearly. Uh, yeah. And for us to know, and it goes, it's really interesting, the idea that we are this form. We are this form. Mm-hmm. And the spirit that we have as artists fill that form. Right? So when anybody's put an animal down, you're able to watch that animal go to, go, like, its form is, is just what's there. But the spirit is gone. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about voice and creativity, um, uh, somebody has realized their spirit. Right? Yeah. Or 
honored it instead of judging it. Just said, this is, this is what it is. That's exactly it. And I think improvisers forget that I, what you have to say is unique. That if you allow yourself the freedom to just say it the way you see it and nobody else sees it, even, you know, oh, words a bad roommate scene. We've seen a million bad roommate scenes, and we've all seen at least one good one. Right. And it was because it wasn't the generic bad roommates. It was just these two people that couldn't exist anywhere else. You're, the, the, when, you, when you talk about that, it's, it's uh, the idea of commitment. Yes. Is huge. Huge. And it's the recognition of that point of view. So I recognize that point of view. I honor that point of view. And that's the place that I am going to be living off of. And students will go, this is my point of view. So somebody in class yesterday said, um, I think it's going to snow. And, and her part, his partner was watching uh, TV and not paying attention, had the, the what we call the spilky box in their hand, which is remote control, and uh, watching TV. And then he went, um, I know you hate me. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said it was going to snow, and now you hate me. Where did that come from? That's not your point of view. And for me to go, no, that's not your point of view. Fucking recognize it, and then run with it. But you get to do that with song, and then sing. Yes. There's nothing more committed committed than that. Well, if you don't commit, you're going to have a really hard time. Right. You know. But I think I think what you're talking about uh, the scene example is so interesting because, in my mind, nothing in an improv scene should be filler. Right. You know, so everything's important. So we will honor it if you honor it. Mm -hmm. When you ignore that it's snowing, you're telling the audience it's not important. When you, you ignore your own. Yes. That's your own, your point of view. When yeah. you ignore it. But go ahead. You were saying. Oh, uh, just that I was going to say, you know, you do that so many times in a scene and the audience checks out. Right. Because they say, well, if you don't think it's good and you're the professional then why should I think it's good? Right. Nobody, I mean, I think so often we think, the audience will root for me because I'm the shy one who can't get in there. <laughs> and, and the bottom line is, nobody wants to be the sucker. Nobody's going to go, their whole improv team is ignoring them, but I feel bad for them. I'm going to root for them. You know, you have to tell us what to think. Yep. Which means that you have to think everything you say is important. So yep. I will think that in the audience. And also, I'm going to, uh, me being on stage, I'm going to support whatever the hell my partner is going to say. Yeah. And, and so if you know that I, and, and I, tell, I tell this to all my students these days, it's the idea of don't be eager to talk. Be eager to respond. Because if I'm eager to respond, then everything that you're going to tell me is going to help me, help me, help you, help you, help me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But in the response, you know, something Craig Kakowski told me a hundred years ago was in your scenes, listen, react on your face, then respond with your mouth. Mm -hmm. And when you skip the react step, your respond usually has nothing to do with what just happened. Right. Because again, if we don't know how we feel, it's very hard to know what to say. Yes. We always know how we feel, but we're clouding it with noise. Yes. Because the only thing you know, the only thing you own is what you're feeling at that moment. That's the only thing. Right now, you don't know that there's air in the tires of your car. You don't know that the food in your fridge is still, you know, w working. You don't know that there's money in your ATM. You don't even know that you have your ATM card. But right now, you're probably nervous. Right, because you and mentioned all those things. Exactly. And so at that moment, you get to create from that feeling that you have, and then you're not using your brain to do anything but recognize that feeling that you have in your gut. 
Right, because when you have emotion, I mean, it's like everybody's at some point has been so happy that they were hugging somebody that maybe they shouldn't, but they didn't realize it till after they did it. <laughs> or they're so mad that they realize somebody's yelling and then they realize it's them yelling. Right. And so when we have emotion in a scene, we don't have to worry about what to say. Right. Because it just comes. Right. Same thing with a song. Right. I love the idea of uh, 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 Rick, uh, Cordy, 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 Cordy. He was a he was the um, choreographer that Second City would always use, Jim Cordy. Okay, I don't know. And we call it choreography. So Jim <laughs> Cordy would come in and he'd work. And he said something once. He said because we're because he's just such a great choreographer. He came in and said, "When you don't, what happens in a musical is your words." can't express what it is that you're feeling so you have to sing it yes and I think that watching and I know when I did opening night mm -hmm. I came in with that feeling like okay I'm getting to a point right now where I've got it you know like that sort of thing yeah. it's just that is the explosion at that moment but you need to be you get to be aware of your emotions because your emotions will never steer you wrong correct the recognition of it I agree 100% yeah it's teaching people to do that and not just in improvisation, but just to say, what are you feeling right now? Yeah. And your politeness is boring me. It's boring. Stop being polite. What are you feeling right now? Crazy. Yeah. And the people that the teachers that I've had have said things like, like Michael Gellman would say, like, what are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And I'll say that. And Michael will go, no, you're not. I'm like, what are you talking about, Michael? I'm feeling like, no, you're not. You're, you're pretending that you feel that way because you don't think that you can really tell me what you're really feeling. Well, it's all about the defenses. I mean, I think that's why people get in fights and scenes because if you think about it, it is very rare that we are just purely angry. <laughs> you know, there's always right. something underneath. So if you right. say, Shuli, I hate your shirt, for the most part, most people's first response to that is, Shuli, I hate your shirt. Fuck you. Right. But what's underneath that? Right. And if I figure out what's underneath that defensiveness, then I know the emotion that I need to play in the scene. And you will reach an anger part where you, a point in the in, in you will reach a point in that scene where that anger doesn't serve you anymore. And then you've got to recognize, oh, I've got to surrender that anger. I get to surrender that anger. The anger has to go away. Yeah. And then what's here now is what I use. And, and what I, the scene is really about. Clearly. And I think the beginning of every scene is fact. And then we reach a point of truth. Okay, listen to this. And I use this as an example in my scenes. Um, uh, okay, uh, Jerry, you're late. Um, this is the second time I've told you that you're late. Uh, this is the, th uh, the third time that you've been late. Uh, I have, uh, the manual says I have to fire you now. I don't want to fire you. I really like you, Jerry. You get it? Mm -hmm. So, Jerry, you're late. Fact. This is the second time you've been late. Fact. This is the third time I've told you. Fact. The manual says that I can't, I have to fire you. Fact. I don't want to fire you. I like you. Truth. And that's why the point of recognition of your point of view, that point where I go, I get to play this out because there's going to come a point where I get to be emotional. Absolutely. And you notice it was three sentences in. Right. Like, you shouldn't be waiting so long to figure that out. Right. There's no wrong choice except not making one. And then you surrender it. But it's that lesson that we... And if you want to let... Surrendering is just such a great lesson. Letting go. 
Well, it's so hard to do our whole life. You know, you start out and you're a kid and you're, everything's surrendered. You're doing whatever you want and you spend your whole growing up and people going, "Uh uh-uh, gotta be like this. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-uh, can't do that. So I think it's almost like a rebirth or a remembering of trusting yourself. God, it's it. It's trust, that word trust. And it's, it's, we really need to teach, we really need to engage our students in the concept of trust. Yes, and trusting yourself more than your partner. That's exactly it. Like at that moment, I trust that this scene is going to work out. I trust it. I don't hope it. Fuck hope. I trust that this is going to work out because hope is like, I'm a victim. But you know what? This is going to work out. This is going to work out. I don't hope it. I know it. I am part of it. How do I know? Because I am believing it and I'm following through on it. And you know what? It's going to come at the end of that. Neither do I. Yeah. All that I know is that I don't know. Right. And trusting that you have the ability to handle whatever it is. Oh, my God. Right? And I think, you know... So often I hear from students, well, I saw this team and it was clear that they've been working together forever because everybody trusted each other and blah, blah. And I, and I always say like, you need to trust yourself. You need to trust that you've been doing this long enough that whatever comes up, you're going to handle it because you can walk onto stage with anybody. And if you trust yourself, I'm just going to react and listen. Your scene's going to be fine, whether I just met you, like shook your hand, got on stage, or if I've known you 20 years. It's the same skill. Right. I, I, I travel around so much, and I, I work with people that I don't know all the time. And I'm never, ever worried about it. Ever. Because it's not about them. It's about me trusting me. Yeah. Are they going to fuck me over? It's like, no. Not intentionally. And if they do, that's because I let them. Right. And if I let them, great, as long as I know that I let them. Well, and I think that trust in yourself as a teacher or in a scene is going to make everything okay, whether it's something you expect or a complete surprise. If you just say, I can handle whatever's going to come my way, you're going to be fine. Right. You know, and, and I, I want to just be clear. It's not, I'm not saying trust yourself, never trust your partner. I understand. Yeah. But you can't trust your partner if you don't trust yourself. Exactly. Because you don't have that, you don't have that, you don't have that. Nobody can do your scene for you. Right. They can make you look good, but not as good as if you are supporting you and they are supporting well, you. Well, if, if you trust you and I'm in a, if you don't trust you, then whatever comes out of your mouth, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know, 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 as opposed to looking at that person, that person, I am, re- I am in response to what you did. And I'm thinking, she's going to keep didding that. She's going to keep didding that, and I'm going to constantly be in response to that did until that did changes into something else. If you suddenly go, uh-oh, I did that. I don't like that. I didn't trust myself on that one. I'm going to change it. Then I'm going to have to be suddenly manipulating, uh, suddenly changing into that did that's the new did. Am I making yeah. any sense in that? Yeah. All right? So when you have a point of view and you trust that your point of view, I don't even think about it anymore, and you trust your point of view is right, because it's what you did, I get to play off of that, and then I get to play off what it is that I'm feeling. And we are at it. We are at it. Well, I think so much of it is people don't carry their personal vanity over to their characters. So if I say to you, Dave, what's your favorite color? Blue. And if I say, I hate blue, 
and then I say, Dave, what's your favorite color? Not blue. Not really not blue, Dave. <laughs> I don't want to fight with you. But it's right. still blue. Yeah, it's still blue. And you know, in real life, we can we have a favorite pen. There's right. no reason to have a favorite pen. Right. But then we get on stage and our characters are like, maybe I'm like this or maybe I'm like that. It's like it doesn't matter what I say, your favorite color stays blue. Right. And we need to let our characters be as selfish in their opinions as we are to make them fully formed. I think also, I think one of the things that, that is also at the, at the root of that is how we teach yes. Because sometimes, very often, no is yes. Yes. Where, um... And, and because one of the things is like, say yes to everything, say yes to everything. But let's define what yes is. And we need to define that. And the, for me, the definition of yes is if your character can say something to me and I can say no to it. Your, you, the actor, says something to me, I can't say no to it. Does that make sense? I'll explain it. So if you say, uh, if I say to you, um, doctor, I'm here for my test results. And you say, I don't want to give them to you. That's you saying no to the character. If I say, doctor, I'm here for the test results, and you say, I'm not a doctor, right? That feeling that you just <laughs> My had. My heart just fluttered. That's exactly oh. The way that I describe it is, that's how you give uh, improvisers runs, or runs, <laughs> is you, you, you use that example. But that example, at the core, I hit you at your artist's core, at the actor's core. So at that moment, I can deny you your character, but you, I cannot deny you the, the for, for the foundation which you just built that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I, I love your reaction to that. Like, <laughs> I see, felt you, a you chest melted, pain. right? You just melted, going, oh, I'm, you're not, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, and go, oh my god, what just happened? And really, it hits me in the bowels. You know, it really hits me in the bowels because. It is about that, that, that the, the viscera that makes us love what it is that we're doing, because it's not a, a head thing. It's a body thing. It's a, ch it's a heart thing and a gut thing. Oh, and that's what I always say to students. Like, I, I believe that when you are in your right brain improvising, and, and oftentimes when you really found the game of the scene, that it, it feels really easy. Like physically, your whole body feels looser and feels easy. And I say to my students, remember that feeling because it's a really great way to check in on stage how you're doing without any left brain analysis. So it's like, I'm on stage, I'm having this feeling, that's good, keep going with right. it. Right. And so that physical sensation oftentimes will tell me where to go way before my brain will say, you need to do this. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm always working on, on emotions. I'm, I'm never working. That, the idea of getting your who, your what, and your where out at the beginning of the scene, I don't do it. I just don't do it. What I do is this. You are sitting in that chair. You are looking at me. You are nodding at me. You are in that shape. You have that gesture and all that. And it makes me think, how do I feel about what she's doing right now? It's not where do I put her because now we're going to talk about the where. Um, what is it that we're doing? No. We're going to talk about the what, uh, who, who is it that she is on her business card. And I'm going, no, then we're going to talk about all those things. That shit will come out. It's, our improv scene is not the beginning of a shitty sitcom where I've got to get the exposition out at the beginning of the scene. Like, Julie, my God, I'm just so glad that you came to the bar that I have here in Boston in this basement and that you are, you know, that you're on probation from murdering your wife, but you really didn't do that. And it's like, what the fuck? Write it up, my friend. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why did you just, ex you just, you got your exposition all the fuck over me. But in lieu of putting out your who, what, where up at the top, if, you, if that is your choice, I think that you really have to pay attention to 
everything you do. Well, because that's going to tell me, you know, if I come in, hey, Dave, we're one kind of friend. Hey, Dave. Right. And I need to hear my voice there because the way I talk to you is going to tell me who you are to me. Right. Because it's not what you tell me. It's how you tell it to me. And if you go, Dave, I got the car out front. Dave, I got the car out front. Both those matter and it has nothing to do with the car or out or front. It has to do with, oh my God, you just said that in a sexy way. I think that you're wanting me to get sexy with you or whatever that's going to be. And, and the joy of what we do is not about figuring it the fuck out. The joy of what we do is living it. Being on stage, knowing that I get to play this emotion now and normally I wouldn't. Yeah. It's Have you beautiful. ever heard Mark Sutton's take on exposition? It's really funny. I feel like I heard it maybe when you were talking to Susan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, tell the, me that idea, the idea of nobody ever walks away from an improv scene going, <laughs> they fixed the bike. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Well, behavioral versus situational. Right. And behavioral is always going to be more interesting. Right. We can't see the frickin' bike. No. 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 I, it's, it, it also makes me think about any art that we have, that we're, the, any artist in participating in the art. It's not about, uh, it, it's about the feeling that somebody has. Because Picasso's not saying, this is balanced and we have this color, we need that color. He's just going, this goes here and that goes here and that goes here and that's just the way it feels. It just feels that way. Well, and you take somebody like Picasso who was like drawing sketches on napkins for dinners. Right. You know, that's somebody who's really prolific and who it seems, you know, I, I'm please. I'm I think all Picassos are lovely, but, you know, art critics tend to say some are better than others. Mm-hmm. And but that's sort of like being an improviser. Like we're going to do a million shows. Some are going to suck. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be great. Right. But we just have to keep doing it. And I'm not going into it thinking I'm going to have a good show tonight. I'm well, just going I, into it saying I'm going to have a show tonight. And that's all you're thinking. That's all I'm thinking. I'm not going to think I'm going to have a good show. The show is going to be what the show is going to be. And me going into it earlier going, I'm putting pressure on it. It's got to be a good show. I'm going to have a good show. Doesn't make the show any different. Well, but yes, that's true. Because you're saying the general. This is the end result. But one of the questions I ask myself is, what am I going to do to help myself have a good show? Be present. So for you, maybe being present. For me, it's committing the heck out of whatever I've chosen. Right. You know, and I think there's all these things that we work on. And one of the things we do in opening night often before the show is we go around and say what our personal goals are for the show. Great, great. But that's not good or bad. Right. That's just what you're going to engage in. But it's going to, it will help our show be better. But you can't say my show is going to be, got to be better without doing anything specific. I I, I don't even know what that word means. I really don't even know. I know that word better, better than what, but I, I believe, yeah. I also believe that, that the idea, like this whole thing, and I've said it before, like, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back, like that, like, really, don't, don't bother. Just don't bother getting my back. Really, I like it. Uh, that's great. <laughs> for me, uh, for me, I look at going, okay, do you really have my back? Do you really have my back? I do. I know you do, but I look nine times out of ten, people backstage going, I got your back. It's like, what does that mean to you that you got my back? Because I really want to know what that means to you. Does it mean, not to you, but to the people that are here? Because when I walk on stage after you say you got my back and you're not listening to me, you don't have my back. You think that you have my back because there's a lot of lip service paid to that, that, that phrase. Yeah. I got your back. So for me, I want, I'm going to say this instead. I see you. I'm watching you. 
I'm listening to every fucking thing you're doing. I love that. I love that. And that's why it's so great to improvise with you. Because whenever I'm in a scene with you, I always feel like whatever's happening now is happening right now, and it's the right thing. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. Right. But I think that one of the things that you do that anybody can do to really make their partner feel like they're being heard is react specifically. Like on stage, anything that is said to you, you react specifically. And I think that's a bigger yes than anything your mouth could say. Because you, because you get to, you know exactly where I'm coming from. Yes, and so I feel supported. And the right. bottom line is, in doing so, you've supported yourself. Clearly. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to what you're saying, and I've been listening because I always listen on this sub subdermal level. Mm-hmm. And you don't use words like kind of, sort of, somewhat, a little. Like those words, pull me away from the specificity of what you mean. And it's very important when I'm talking to somebody that if they say to me, I'm kind of upset, I'm saying, no, 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 I need for you to tell me that you're upset, or I'm kind of in love with it. It's like, no, be in love with it. Then I know how to react to you. Because if you say kind of sort of somewhat in front of, I'm kind of hungry, I'm kind of sad, and you know, if you say I'm sad, I'm, I'm able to go, okay, let's talk about this. Right. Let's talk about your sadness. Right. Because that emotion that you have on stage, if you're committed to that emotion, I can deal with it. But if you're going to tell me, uh, I, I kind of have a crush on you, I will want to go, kind of? That means you mostly don't have a crush on me. Duh! But see, this gets back to our initial point of like, what's easy to sing and what's easy to improvise to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sad, no problem, can sing to that. Right. A little sad, right. harder to sing to. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Confused is different. I see what you're saying, but there's no definite choice in confused when it comes really? to plowing ahead to me. Really? If I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And my theory is you're so much better getting it wrong in improv than saying I don't know. Really? Yeah. What? what? That, okay, so you say something to me in a scene and I say I don't know. Uh, wait, What? <laughs> Okay? Did you not just engage with me in my confusion? I absolutely engaged with you, but where do you go next? You just get frustrated. That's where you're going. Because you were getting frustrated, weren't you? No, but now, no, I was not. But you, <laughs> you try and sing a song now from Confused. I don't, what is it? How, where am I? How do I? I didn't, where is she? Oh my God. Yeah. That's hilarious, but you can't do it every week. No! But I'm not going to be confused every week. That's true. And I'm not going to put, you know, uh, put, put B5 back in the jukebox, you know, to go, well, now I'm going to sing that song that I sang earlier because it's here. No, the situation is going to call for whatever the situation is going to call for. That's true. I do think that uh, time and, and quantity of shows can take that lovely song that I am totally in love with and, uh, you know, three weeks later, somebody comes back and is like, didn't he sing that song? Yeah. Because we are doing linear improv. Got it. And within that, because there has to be yes and no, and you're telling me to do something, and I am actually saying no to you because it's the first act, and we still have another act to get through, and <laughs> right, if I say yes, right. the show's over, right. <laughs> that, uh, that you can uh, really get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a, just a scene, in a herald, I think that can fly. Get it. I get it. 
I get yeah. it. No, but I, I, I can't it. wait to hear that song in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going <laughs> to. I just sang it. I just sang it in the podcast. You're not going to hear it in the show. Um, but I, I love, I love, I love, again, we keep coming back to, I keep coming back to this. The only source of suffering is non-acceptance. That's it. The only thing that you're going to suffer from is not accepting something. So when someone is confused, I can't help. Like, I, I can't make you not confused. I guess I could. I guess I could. But I would rather watch you embrace your confusion because that's what I'm going to be in response to. But I get it. And it's all, it's all the ego thing. Like, I got to be right. I got to be wrong. That's tough. Or the show's got to be good. Or the show's not going to be good. Your show is... I would say you've got a great track record, wouldn't you say, about your show? Uh, thank being- you. I, I, you know, um, I think that we have, you know, get better every year. And but how many I, years? How many years? Uh, it'll be 15 years in September. Shut up! Mm-hmm. How many groups have been together for 15 years? I know with Stacy's not here, we're together for 12 years, and somebody left. But you keep adding new members too, right? We have. Me and, and Derek Miller and Norm Thoming are the original cast. Hillary Ryan joined about two years in. Mm-hmm. And Matt Jones and Mark McConville were understudies. Like, I mean, they've been with the show maybe seven or eight years. Uh-huh. And uh, Matt's been a member of the cast for maybe three or four. And McConville just got added as a cast member. So everybody's been doing it together for a while. But we rehearse every week for you 15 years. You rehearse every week. Every you week. rehearse every week. Mm-hmm. People don't do that. No. No. I mean, it helps to have the rehearsal the same night as the show. I know. But, yeah. I know, because that makes, it, that makes all the difference yeah. in the world. And, and that I.O. has given you that space, right? To be, to be able to rehearse before the yeah, show. Yeah, they've been That's amazing. That's vital. That is vital. Yeah, it, huge. Uh, is there any place that someone can watch this show? Like, if somebody goes, because right now, like, not watch it, but watch it. Like, they're going, oh, I'm hearing Dave and Shuli talk about this. Can I go online and... Uh, you know, we have some YouTube clips up but I mean it's I think one of the problems with filmed improv it's really hard to film because you never know where people are going to be standing or what they're going to be doing and you know I think it's like Elvis Costello's quote about writing about music is like dancing about architecture (laughs) you know it's I've seen the most brilliant Second City shows on a tape, right. and they look like ass. I know, I know. And you're like, no, no, I'm telling you, look, it's so funny. This is the funniest thing I ever saw. Right. And it just, it's really hard to make it translate. Yeah, yeah. I know some people tape, I'm sorry, I know that some people stream their shows. Mm-hmm. I know that that, mm-hmm. that Bang used to stream their shows. I know that um, I was somewhere else, and I, I, uh, they said, oh, we're streaming their show. Um, so I was just wondering if that was if that was there. I get it, though. I, I get that, that whole idea. There's... There's been a few, the, the, the scenes that Carrie and I have done, the improvised scenes that Carrie and I Love have done, th- there was an understanding of how the structure worked, and it's all about the coverage. Right. But you also, you have got to have massive coverage on that, because you don't know where things are and going to go. Sound, and good sound. And good sound, So right. it's like, there's a lot of things involved, and, and we talk often about getting a good video. And we have some that are okay, but... We're never going to have one that looks like the PBS filmed thing of Into the Woods. Right. You know, where it's like, oh, you're really seeing close up what you need to be seeing. Right. Because in our show, nobody knows where we're going to go next. (laughs) Right. 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 Oh, I get it. And, and, and you're not going to have 95 cameras going, what's oh, happening? I result. wish. That would, I mean, I would love 95 yeah. people with cameras to come in and make a 
great film of the show. <laughs> I think just putting that out there, somebody might do that. Somebody if you get, how many cameras do you really need? Seven? Probably. Yeah. And a good sound setup. Right. A good sound setup. That's the whole thing. And then yeah. you got to hope that with all that setup, the show you have is worthy of taping. But again, <laughs> your track record is that, 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 uh, uh, chances are that is going to happen. But I think that this is another thing that, like, uh, students or people who are just starting improv don't understand. They think that improv gets to a certain point where you're foolproof and you can almost turn mm-hmm, off your mind mm-hmm, and you're in a great show. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, all growing up, I rode horses. Mm-hmm. And improv, in some ways, really reminds me of riding horses because our teachers would say, you know, you can go to a golf lesson and work with a golf pro. But there's going to come a point where you don't necessarily need the pro. It's just, you know, you doing it. But the thing about horseback riding is that there's another personality involved, which is the horse that you're sitting on right now. People don't think about that, right? Yeah. And the horse could be having a good day or a bad day or (laughs) something's annoying them and their foot and you don't know about it. And you really have to be there in the moment. And I feel like... Listening. Yes. And I feel like improv is the same way that like our show in your beginner improv eyes might seem like amazing, but we know that we could have done a better job for this reason, this reason, this Mm -hmm. reason. So I think I love that. So going back to the horse thing, improv is living, you know, and you just, you don't know if it's having a good day or a bad day. And even if everybody's having a good day, sometimes improv is having a little burr in its tail and it's not happy. Right. So you do always have to be watching, and it is never autopilot. It can't be, because it's happening right now for the first time. Improv is living. It is. It breathes. It's the horse you're riding. Yeah. And we're... Right. And that's, and again, going, it goes back to the idea of emotion being at the basis of what's going on, because it's not a fact. Yeah. It's living. You may be... I mean, you are one of the best improvisers I've ever met. But you cannot get on stage and go, I'm great at this. Done. Right, right. I'm going to think about what I'm going to have for dinner. I don't even think about no, that. No, because right. it's, happen- it's alive. It's happening now. Right. And that's how you're so good. I, thank you. I, 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 I just, I, I'm also just a fan of what are you doing right now? And what are you doing right now? And what are you doing right now? And what are you doing right now? And, and, and I also love when, when I do something, when I'm on stage and my partner like notices it right away, I'm like, Yes! Yes, you noticed it. And I remember thinking, I remember a moment on stage, I was either at Second City or it was at I.O., where I was thinking, oh, this is all I have to do, is I just have to, to notice what you're doing and comment on it. Mm-hmm. And don't you find that that skill on stage just makes you a better friend in general, a better communicator in general? Because we don't listen with our eyes no. very often in real life. Right. We don't listen with our heart. We don't listen with our heart. We listen with, you know, all thought stops at the nasal passage, you know, where you go. It doesn't go below that. No, it skips. It goes, it goes from the feeling goes from here and then it skips from the, from the nose down to the genitals. And then like right north of the genitals, like genitals down, that's the Tropic of Capricorn right over there. And then that's it. The front side, the back side, the whole thing. And then from that point on, like my feet, I haven't thought about my feet in a long time. I don't know what the back of my arms look like. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing where you go, oh, but it's the viscera, that feeling of of saying, I don't like your tone. And going, ah, oh, your tone. That's what this is all about. It's about the tone. 
It's about the tone in the voice, but also in the face. You right. know, I could look at you with a big smile on my face and say, hey, Dave, how are you? Right. And but you look at my eyes and my eyes are shooting daggers at you. Right. And if you only work with your ears, you're missing half of what I'm telling you. Clearly. And, I, and I, I believe that a lot of, like, there's a siren call. There's a siren. It's like when somebody's doing object work and they've got their hands and they're doing this, and I'm watching their partner watch that, I'm thinking the next line of their mouth is going to be, the, is gonna be the, the scene is going to end because they're just looking at the hands. That's all that they're doing. They're not looking at the face. They're not looking at the eyebrows. They're not looking at the cheek. They're not looking at the way that they're doing it. That's why viewpoints, studying viewpoints is so important. And Bogart, Tina Landau, Mary Overly, like all that stuff. I don't, have you done that? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't done it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like the moment that you start noticing things, you start noticing that like right now you're sitting there, you're in, it's called shape. You're in duration of shape. You're nodding up and down. So shape is a viewpoint. You're nodding up and down. That's a gesture. You're nodding up and down. That's repetition. You're nodding up and down in a certain tempo. That's tempo. Like uh, uh, all of that's that's happening. You're sitting in a chair. You've got a ring on your finger. That's called architecture. You have a watch that's called architecture. You have bangles that's called architecture. You close the chair. My chair making the noise. My tempo, the way I'm speaking is architecture. All of that. And once you notice that, once you define it, it exists. And so what we're doing as improvisers, as actors, is teaching people to listen subdermally, to listen uh, on, on a deep tissue level uh, uh, in order to hear what it is that the audience isn't hearing between two people who are communicating in a way that is a deeper communication. Did I make any sense in what I just said? No, absolutely. I'm thinking about like... Those times when you're in a boisterous mood and then you walk into another room and everybody in there is totally silent. Yep. You know, and you don't continue being boisterous. Right. Like we notice all those things you just said and then allow ourselves to be affected by it. And allow ourselves to be affected by it. That's the major thing. Yeah. Is the recognition that I've been affected and the surrendering of the boisterousness because right now that boisterousness does not serve me anymore. Right. Okay, good. Let's stop there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic. Are you waiting for that perfect time to start your dream business? It's now. Whether you're setting up an LLC, escort, sole proprietorship, or nonprofit, LegalZoom takes care of you from start to finish. For more information, go to LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction, but there's so much more. Now every LLC and incorporation package includes an easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value, free. Be sure to enter ADD Comedy in the referral box at checkout. Start your business, protect your family, and safeguard your assets at LegalZoom.com today.